Chapter Six of A Queen by Ottilie Wildermuth, translated by Unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Esther Ben Simonides. Chapter Six: The Call of Duty. The Countess kept her promise, and the next day, after a long conversation with Colonel Oberstein and his wife, carried Maggie off to her house, where, though she herself took the position of a servant she was treated in every respect as a daughter the countess soon became strongly attached to her and kept her constantly at her side she herself taught her to write as became a lady and instructed her in all kinds of plain and fancy needlework of which she had been before ignorant the extreme retirement in which the lady lived gave her ample time to devote to her favourite and well did maggie improve the advantages thus offered her always the same cheerful industrious little person always ready and willing to help anybody. Everybody liked her, and seemed ready and willing to help her. She was at liberty to visit the doctor as often as she liked, and her visits made the old man very happy, not only because he loved to have her with him, but because she always carried him books or some other present equally to his taste, which he was too poor to buy for himself. The countess bought from him the whole edition of a little manual of devotions, a book which he had been obliged to publish at his own expense, and which, though full of beautiful prayers and hymns, had sold so slowly that it had almost ruined him, and he feared would soon quite do it. This unexpected bit of good fortune enabled him to hire a little damsel of the neighborhood to perform for him the little services that had all, hitherto, been done by Maggie, and so he was more reconciled to her absence. When he saw her so generally beloved and so cheerfully happy in her new home, he fairly sunned himself in her bright eyes, and laughed gaily as he said to himself, Yes, yes. Our Heavenly Father is wiser than any of us, and in his heart he thanked him. When Maggie had become skillful in the use of her pen, she wrote several times to her old mistress at the farm, but letter-writing was a thing seldom practiced there, so she got no answers. She greatly longed, though, to hear once more from the old spot, or to see it. The business that had so providentially brought the countess just then to Dresden was now completed, and she wished to return to the family seat which she had left her son-in-law in possession of. It was a matter, of course, that Maggie, or as she was now called, Margaret, should go with her, and the girl herself was quite delighted at the idea, for she longed to be again in the country. The preparations for the journey were nearly finished when one morning Margaret heard her name called from the outside of the house, and saw standing at the gate a young farmer, twirling his hat in his hand george exclaimed the girl with a cry of delight george is that you how did you come here george was so delighted at seeing her again and at being so warmly greeted by her that he at first forgot his errand it was a sad one his mother had been for a week dangerously ill and lisa was married things wouldn't go right and there was nobody to take care of the sick woman and keep an eye to things about the house then we thought of you said george and both father and mother were quite satisfied that you should come and so they told me to greet you heartily from them, and to bid you to come at once as is your duty, and not to desert them in their hour of need. As to the wages, he half-whispered, half-muttered, you won't lose by it. The countess, who had heard of the arrival of Margaret's visitor, now came out and spoke to him very graciously, bidding her take him into the sitting-room, and treat him with all hospitality and attention. George looked around him at the splendid furniture of her present home, and saw her moving about among it all, as though she had been used to it from her babyhood. He looked too at her fine, rich clothing, so different from the ragged old farm dress, so soft and delicate in its material, so neat and so becoming in its fit. He saw that grand as was the lady who owned this fine house, Margaret was to her more as a child than a servant. And, with a heavy heart, 
give up all hope that she would listen to his request and made up his mind to return home without delay but he knew very little of that kind heart he knew very little of the high and holy principle by which the orphan girl was guided that if she felt she ought to obey the precept do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you still more would she feel it to be a duty to do good to those who in her hour of utmost need had given her a home she went herself to the countess and told her the business upon which her old friend had come adding his parents took me when i was a poor orphan and must else have died of want and misery it is only natural that i should do what i can for them now that they are sick and in trouble so if you will permit it my honoured mistress i would like to go back with george go dear child by all means said the countess kindly though it made her sad to think of parting with her even for a little while go as you say it is your duty to assist those who did so much for you but do not stay longer than is absolutely necessary many arrangements however had to be settled between them before margaret could go and the lady determined to postpone her own proposed journey until she could hear from her exactly how long her stay at the farm would be this settled margaret hastily packed a few needed articles in a valise took leave of the good old doctor and her former mistress and seated herself in the little cart beside george who could not find words to express his admiration and gratitude poor margaret once more the maggie of old times could not help weaving for joy as she saw again the familiar objects of her childhood the well-known fields the unforgotten house and the wide green before on which stood the lindens the two dear old lindens but when she went in and met her old mistress who presided over all this when she saw the one strong active and healthy woman now lying pale and helpless upon her bed she sobbed aloud with pity everybody was delighted to see maggie again now heaven be thanked that you are with us again sobbed the sick woman the blessing of the orphan's god left us when you did maggie for we drove you by our unkindness from our door nothing has gone right since well it'll all be right now cried stephen as he entered the room now old wife lies still in your bed things will go right now and you can afford to be sick maggie was delighted to find that though she had indeed a great deal to do health and strength were given her for the purpose so she set about it right earnestly and went on with cheerful and undaunted courage as to homesickness for the city and her pleasant home with the countess she had no time to indulge in it she rose early and went to bed late toiled unceasingly about the house all day and watched by the bedside of the sick woman nearly all night the whole place under her care assumed a more tidy and cheerful aspect and whether busy indoors or without whenever a stir from the invalid showed that she was awake her careful nurse was in a moment at her side with some nourishing dainty or some cooling drink which amid her all her toils she had found an opportunity to make then when she had given it she shook up the heated pillow smoothed the tumbled bed and left her again to her repose everybody seemed the happier for her coming down to the very housemaids for many a time when they were toiling under more than their usual tasks maggie came to their aid and did no small part of the work herself and besides now that she had the management they had more and very much nicer food at their meals what a way she has the stout farmer stephen often said to himself when he had been watching how quietly she glided from spot to spot and accomplished all this i never could have believed that she would turn out such a neat handy little thing george was greatly distressed that she had too much to do he watched her constantly and whenever he found himself alone with her would ask anxiously are you not tired maggie pray go sleep a bit and rest you'll be ill surely but maggie with a merry laugh assured him that she had never felt better in her life indeed said she i think it is much better for me that i have been obliged to go to work again i fear the lazy life i was leading in the city would have made me ill in the end 
the poor sick woman revived beyond all expectation under the gentle and constant care of her young nurse the only being in the world from whom she would have received it but her disease was an incurable one and all maggie's devotion could not prolong her life End of chapter six recording by estrubin seminides